So by this time, King Solomon, 1 Kings chapter 10, is a very wealthy man. And um, we are, I'm going to be picking it up in the uh, um, chapter 10, verse 1. We're going to read the story of the Queen of Sheba. The Queen of Sheba. It says, now when the Queen of Sheba heard of the fame of Solomon concerning the name of the Lord, she came to test him with hard questions. She came to Jerusalem with a great retinue, with camels that bore spices, very much gold and precious stones. And when she came to Solomon, she spoke with him about all that was in her heart. So Solomon answered all her questions. There was nothing so difficult for the king that he could not explain it to her. And when the queen of Sheba had seen all the wisdom of Solomon, the house that he built, the food on his table, the seating of his servants, the service of the waiters and their apparel, his cupbearers and his entryway by which he went up to the house of the Lord, there was no more spirit in her. Then she said to the king, it was a true report, which I heard in, which I heard in my own land about your words and your wisdom. However, I did not believe the words until I came and saw with my own eyes. And indeed, the half was not told me. Your wisdom and prosperity exceed the fame of which I heard. Happy are your men and happy are your servants who stand continually before you and hear your wisdom. Blessed be the Lord your God who delighted in you, setting you on the throne of Israel because the Lord has loved Israel forever. Therefore, he made you king to do justice and righteousness. And so uh, when I was just preparing for this message, I, I have to say that... Um, I have to say that uh, the, the, I was struck with just how Solomon here, now things are going to change with Solomon, but at least here with Sheba, he's a foreshadowing of, of Jesus Christ. And Sheba is a foreshadowing of you <laughs> and me. It says here that she traveled from uh, Sheba, which was is modern-day Ethiopia, that's uh, 1,200 miles. That's like coming from Jacksonville, Florida to Boston. Uh, it is a long, long journey. Um, who knows how long that uh, must have taken for her to get that long. I would say at least four to four months, something like that, to get to uh, Jerusalem. And um, she came uh, with a very uh, great 
retinue. And, and basically, she, she was giving him, in a sense, all that she had it, it, at one level. She, it says that no one had ever uh, given the amount of spices that uh, she had given uh, King Solomon. And uh, so she came with uh, that. That's in verse. That's in verse ten. Um, we didn't read that yet. It says then. Then she came. Then she gave the king one hundred and twenty talents of gold, twenty sp uh, spices in great quantity and precious stone. There never again came such abundance of spices as the as the queen as the queen of Sheba gave to King Solomon. So she she's giving her um, heart before him it says she spoke with him about all that was in her heart and the king answered all her questions there was nothing so difficult for the king that he could not explain to her and it it says that uh when he shared all the wisdom with her and in addition to that he showed her all that was in his house, the food on his table, the seating of his servants, the service of the waiters and their apparel. It says there was no more spirit in her. And I, I was just, um, you know, thinking about the, uh, thinking about the principle in the Bible, the, the verse that we read so many times from Jeremiah uh, chapter 29, it says that, uh, if you seek the Lord, you will find him if you search with him with, with all of your heart. And uh, the recently on a Sunday morning, the uh, sermon about the Syrophoenician woman who uh, really was a picture of someone who did that, someone who truly sought him with all their heart. And um, here is someone who comes 1,200 miles um, to... Uh, to Jesus, it's uh, rather to Solomon, and it's a 2,400 mile uh, round trip, and it 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 surely does not disappoint. It, in fact, it says her spirit; she had no more spirit left in her, and I I, I can attest to you that if you um, you know it, you, you, obviously you don't have to travel somewhere 1,200 miles, but when you seek the Lord, and you will find him when you search for him with all your heart. And, and, and more than that, um, what you find what you, what, 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 what you find from the Lord, his wisdom and everything he shows you, just as um, he showed her uh, what was on the food on his table, the seating of his servants, the service of his waiters and not a it will take your breath away. It, it will, it, it says it. there was no more spirit in her um, at that time. And uh, it, it, uh, this is really a picture really of you in the Lord. I, I, I was, as I was reading through this, I, I thought of Psalm 38 uh, verse nine, which is a, a, a psalm that I think of uh, of often. It, often it says, "Lord, all my desire is before you, and my sighing is not hidden from you." In other words, um, 
he, just as the queen of Sheba, she, 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 she asked them all that was in, uh, in her heart. It, that's what it says in verse two. Uh, she spoke with him about all that was in her heart. And, and, and it is so important that you understand that there's no fulfillment of Christ unless you really do business with him, unless you show him all that is in your heart. In Psalm, uh, in, in uh, Psalm 94, verse 19, it says this, in the multitude of my anxieties within me, your comforts, Lord, delight my soul. It's only as you present all that is in your heart to God, just as the queen of Sheba did with Solomon, uh, that um, your soul is going to be brought to re uh, rest. In fact, it's more than that. Psalm 94, 19 says, God will exchange the multitude of your desires with comforts that delight your soul. And so she came to Solomon uh, vexed about many issues of life. Uh, many, keep in mind, she's coming from Ethiopia. It's at the time, it's a pagan country. They don't know anything about God. As anyone else in the world, um, her, her soul is tied up in a pretzel with different issues, uh, not understanding the purpose of life, not understanding God or the mind of God. She didn't know. Um, and she, it, it, and, and she does, she, in the multitude of her anxieties, Solomon's comforts, the comforts of his uh, of his wisdom of just knowing about God. Remember, it says that God loves Solomon. Said Solomon loved God, and his comforts delighted her soul. Um, it, it, to the part to the point where it really it took her breath away, and um, it took her spirit away. There was no more spirit in her. What a what a remarkable. Uh, what, what a remarkable uh, uh, place that she found herself in. It says uh, in verse seven, she said, verse six and seven, she, she says, it was a true report, which I heard in my own land about your words and your wisdom. However, I did not believe the words until I came and saw with my own eyes. And indeed the half was not told me. Your wisdom and prosperity exceed the fame of which I heard. And it, again, same with you and the Lord. In 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 2, uh, verse 9, it says, I has not seen, ear has not heard, nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. But God has revealed them to us through his spirit. And so um, what we have in Christ uh, is, is just, it's, it's so incredibly rich. And, and verse 8, happy are your men and happy are your servants who stand continuously uh, before you and hear your wisdom. 
And so uh, it says in verse 10, again, that she gave the king 120 talents of gold. That's 9,000 pounds of gold. Um, and, and then there's a little diversion here where it talks more about gold and, and other things. Uh, it says um, also the ships of Hiram, which brought gold from Ophir, brought great this is in verse 11, brought great quantities of almug wood and precious stones from Ophir. And the king made steps of the almug wood for the house of the Lord and for the king's house, also harps and string instruments for singers. There never, came, never, again, there never again came such almug wood, nor has the like been seen to this day. Uh, Bible scholars are not sure what this Almec wood was, but it must have been really good. And then it says, now the king, now King Solomon gave the queen of Sheba all she desired. And uh, again, uh, a, a foreshadowing of the relationship between you and the Lord. You, you, yes, you give the Lord your life. He requires your life. Jesus says anyone who um, saves his life will lose it. He who loses his life for my sake will gain it. Um, you, you do. You, you give Jesus your life. She came and, uh, and, and she came sort of with her life and that which represented her life. Uh, but what the king give, gave back was so much more. She got whatever she asked. She got uh, all she desired. All she desired, verse 13 says, whatever she asks. And uh, again, for us, uh, that, that verse that I taught on a couple of years ago now, Romans 8, 32, still ringing through my mind constantly. It's a, it's a life verse, which says, he, meaning God, who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all. How much more, how shall he not much more with him give us all things? And uh, 1 Corinthians 3.21, um, Paul says to Corinth, because they're bickering about so many things, they're just fleshing out and and, and the, 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 the fleshing out, of course, is just coming from their own selfish desires. And he says, listen, all things are yours. What are you bickering about? All things are yours. And uh, it really is, is, is true in Christ. And so, um, uh, again, it says in verse uh, 13, now King Solomon gave the queen of Sheba all she desired, Whatever she asked, besides what Solomon had given her according to the royal generosity. So she turned and went to her own country, she and her servants. And so uh, it is believed that in Ethiopia, the, there is a Jewish community there that is, uh, can trace back to, um, to the time of, uh, of Queen, the she Queen of Sheba, at least. That's what they say. Uh, love believes all things. Uh, we do know that uh, in, when was it? It was in the 80s or 90s. There were many Ethiopians uh, coming into Israel. You 
you can have uh, Jewish citizenship as long as you can prove your Jewish heritage. And so um, many Ethiopians, uh, they actually, it was George Bush Sr. He was actually going in there and helping them out and uh, bringing in a uh, full airplane uh, airplanes uh, filled with with Ethiopian Jews, and there was a lot of stories made of the uh, made of that at the time. There are a lot of reporting of that. Uh, there was there was and still is a large Jewish community in Ethiopia. Although, as I said, many of them now are in Israel. There were actually, as I understand, thousands of them um, who came uh, at the time. And so, of course, a thousand years later, uh, the Ethiopian eunuch was uh, led to the Lord and baptized by Philip the Evangelist. He goes back uh, to Ethiopia with Christian religion, and the Ethiopians uh, also date their Christianity to that time. So rich in the Judeo-Christian uh, heritage is the nation of uh, Ethiopia, and God willing, will be at the Ethiopian church uh, over there in Washington Street uh, very soon. But to think that she um, traveled 2,400 miles round trip, and man, if you, if you don't remember anything else from this message, uh, we need to keep in mind that is a picture of someone who is seeking and finding the Lord because she sought with all her heart God does not, he does not disappoint. However, like the Syrophoenician woman, who, if you remember, for, uh, Jesus' first response was no response. She was crying out for her daughter to be healed. He didn't respond to anything. Uh, then he said, uh, his second response was not a whole lot better. He said, uh, look, I was only sent to the children of Israel, and she was not Jewish, uh, and, and, but she did not stop. She just kept on asking. His third response was, is it, was uh, it is not good uh, to give uh, what is the children's to, to little dogs. Uh, that got really bad, but she didn't stop. And then she kept on going, and what did Jesus say? He says, oh, woman, great is your faith. Let it be as you desire. And, and her, her daughter was healed that very hour. That's a picture um, as well for us. But uh, as is the Queen of Sheba, we got to get it. And, and why, why did we say when we were studying the Syrophoenician woman, um, is, is God a sadomasochist or something uh, that, that he tortures us? He makes us go 1,200 miles to meet him? No, it's that we have such a shallow faith. He wants to bring us beyond Santa Claus, way beyond Santa Claus, to go deep with him, to go very deep with him. And he will, as it says, uh, that uh, there was no more spirit within her. So deep was uh, uh, that she was able to get in, in, in the wisdom of Solomon, which undoubtedly included a lot concerning the things of God. Okay, so let's move on. Verse 14 says, the weight of gold that came to Solomon yearly was 666 talents of gold. Whether that has any 
connection to the mark of the beast? I do not know. Uh, I, I'm sure there's many out there. I'm sure there's volumes of books written about this. Uh, maybe not volumes of books, but uh, a lot of ink probably trying to make the comparison. But uh, uh, anyway, 50,000 pounds of gold per year that was coming into the royal coffers verse 15 besides that from traveling merchants from the income of traders from all the kings of arabia and from the governors of the country so that so there were 666 talents of gold 50,000 pounds of gold in addition to that taxes from traveling merchants and and traders as well as uh, the, the kings of Arabia and other countries surrounding would be sending essentially their tribute every year uh, as well. Phenomenal wealth at the time. And so um, verse 16 through 18. Now here is, I think these verses are important because they mark what appears to be the the beginnings of a, a departure uh, from the Lord. And I'll explain what I mean uh, in a second. Verse 16 says, And King Solomon made 200 large shields of hammered gold, 600 shekels of gold into each shield. He also made 300 shields of hammered gold, Three minas of gold went into each shield. The king put them in the house of the forest of Lebanon. Remember, that was one of the houses that Solomon built. I guess when you walked into this house and it was it was kind of like a, a very large hall, it, it, it kind of had the feeling of, of maybe being in a forest in Lebanon with cedar pillars and this type of thing. It, it, it says that moreover, the king made a great throne of ivory and overlaid, overlaid it with gold, with pure gold. And if you are asking why on earth would someone make a great throne of ivory and then overlay it with pure gold, you're asking the right question. Something's going wrong here. And uh, the, 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 the 500 shields of, of, of hammered gold as well. It's like, okay, you can't use those in battle. What is this? It's, there's a word for it in English. It's sounding ostentatious, meaning it, uh, it, it appears to be a display of, of um, just a display uh, of his wife. Uh, right, rather of his life, and that he he's making a point. Uh, it's like I I heard my mentor uh, Damien Kyle say uh, that uh, of a Rolls Royce, you don't buy a Rolls Royce just to get around. You you buy a Rolls Royce to uh, to uh, to make a statement, and it seems here that he has gone beyond. Uh, beyond what might be even close to reasonable to a king. And he's, he's starting to ask for it, if I can use that expression. 
And, you know, it's only going to be about 20 years uh, that uh, because of Solomon's pride, the kingdom, uh, much of the, king, the, the, the kingdom, the power of the kingdom is going to be taken away. The king of Egypt is going to come up in 20 years. I, got, I think the guy's name is Shishak. And what's the first thing he does? Take one guess. He takes away these 500 shields of hammered gold. And, uh, and so, uh, in, in, and then making a great throne of ivory and overlaying it with gold. It's like, okay, uh, what's the point here? Well, the point is um, he's wooing and wowing people in general uh, more than just with his uh, wisdom, but also with his riches. God had given him, um, had given him wisdom, and uh, now people would start to be wooed with his, uh, with his, uh, with his riches. Verse nineteen: the throne had six steps, and the top of the throne was round at the back. There were armrests on either side of the place of the seat and two lions besides, beside the armrests. Twelve lions stood there, one on each side of the six steps. Nothing like this had, has ever been made for any other kingdom. So there was lions, lions on the side of the steps as you, as you go up. I mean, uh, at this point, it's like, does this guy think he's a god or something? I mean, uh, we we read uh, in the book of Revelation uh, just the amazing display of of the throne of God, and you know, at some point that kind of that kind of display it's for God alone. And if you have a healthy fear of God, you try to stay away from that kind of uh, ostentatious display. Uh, it says in verse uh, 21, all Solomon's drinking vessels were gold and all the vessels of the house of the force of Lebanon were pure gold. Not one was silver for this was accounted as nothing in the days of Solomon. For the king had merchant ships at sea with the fleet of Hiram once every three years, the merchant ships came bringing gold, silver, ivory, apes, and monkeys. And so uh, the, the alternative translation, I think the NIV for my monkeys says uh, peacocks, I believe. And, uh, you know, there's no war to speak of that is going on. And it it. It, it just really, you get the sense here that um, the guy's bored and he's using his money to overcome his boredom. Now, we will read in the book of Ecclesiastes eventually uh, that he says that um, of, of the, concerning the accumulation of wealth and, in fact, of, of learning, it's, it's possible that he's just... He's accumulating these things just to learn and to study them, you know, apes and peacocks and this kind of thing. But what does he say of them? Meaningless or in the King James, vanity. 
and it's just not going to the, the Bible says, in fact, one of his own Proverbs, uh, Solomon's own Proverbs says the eyes of man are never satisfied. And he, he uh, in the ancient world and not so ancient world, actually, and amongst royal royalty until recent times, they would have zoos and, and, and th their own private zoos for their, for their guests to, to check out. And, uh, it's, it's, you know, on Sundays, I've been trying to emphasize just very simple truths that come out in the Bible. There's a very, very simple truth here that is even a child probably would be able to see. This guy's probably, it, by all accounts, this guy's not spending time in the word of God. He's not spending time in the Bible. He is not spending time uh, uh, just seeking the Lord. It is not said of him like it said of, says of his father that he, uh, David, of David, it says he was a man after God's own heart. It doesn't say that. It says in verse 23 that King Solomon surpassed all the kings of the earth in riches and wisdom. And so... Uh, it's worthy of note that at the end of the verse seven, uh, wisdom is listed first, and then riches is second, or prosperity is second. Now it's the other way around. And um, while the Lord, since the beginning of the Bible, puts a high premium on riches, he makes some, uh, rather, since the very beginning of the Bible, God puts a high premium on wisdom, um, he has warnings about riches, which we'll read about uh, in a minute. But it, it, it's 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 a tragedy because now it's it, he's he's being known more for his riches than for his wisdom. Verse twenty four. Now all the earth sought the presence of Solomon to hear his wisdom, which God had put in his heart. Each man brought his present articles of silver and gold garments, armor, spices, horses, mules at a set rate year by year. So when it says at a set rate year by year, the what that apparently means is these people didn't have a choice. <laughs> they were required to do this. They, these were surrounding countries and these were kind of like taxes that they were bringing. Um, they weren't really gifts. Verse 26, and Solomon gathered chariots and horsemen. He had 1,400 chariots and 12,000 horsemen whom he stationed in the chariot cities and with the king at Jerusalem. The king made silver as common in Jerusalem as stones, and he made cedar trees as abundant as the sycamores, which are in the low land. Also, Solomon had horses imported from Egypt and Kiva. The king's merchants brought them in Kiva at the current price. Now, a chariot was imported from Egypt, cost 600 shekels of silver, and a horse 150. And thus, through their agents, they exported them to the kings of the Hittites and the kings of Syria, meaning... Uh, they would be 
uh, he was actually acting sort of like a, a broker of these chariots and these horses. He would buy them and then sell them just a way of, of making more money. And, and there is a type of personality that just likes to make money. Uh, that no matter how much money that they make, uh, they just, they become literally addicted to making more money. And so he's just coming up with, with ways uh, to make more money here. And uh, ch chapter 11, we're going to come back to some of this uh, stuff. Remember, there was not a chapter break uh, when the Bible was originally put together. So chapter 11, verse 1, really goes with the preceding verses. It says, but King Solomon loved many foreign women, as well as the daughter of Pharaoh, women of the Moabites, Ammonites, Edomites, Sidonians, and Hittites from the nations of whom the Lord had said to the children of Israel, you shall not intermarry with them, nor they with you. Surely they, were, they will turn away your hearts after, the, after their gods. Solomon clung to these women in love. So uh, we've gone back to these verses in Deuteronomy 17 uh, many times. Moses, before he, uh, but rather before the children of Israel crossed the Jordan and went into the land of promise, warned them about many, many things. Deuteronomy is essentially one long warning. It's also a, a, a word of encouragement. It's a very encouraging, actually, book to read. But he says in Deuteronomy uh, 17, verse uh, verses 16 through uh, 17, 17, 16 through 17, there's three things kings should not do because you're going to get to the point where you're going to have a king. And please, king, remember this. There's three things you don't want to do. Number one, multiply horses. We've just seen Solomon do that. Number two, multiply wives. We've just seen some uh, him do that. Number three, multiply uh, silver for and gold for himself. He does that too. And so, again, when you start building a, th a throne with six steps up to it, with uh, lions on either side of each step, huge lions, uh, and everything's overlaid in gold, you have a you're sitting on an, an ivory seat, but you can't even see the ivory because there's gold over it. There's people coming from many nations. Everyone's gawking at, at your 500 hammered, um, hammered shields. That's going to, in your own heart, when, the, when there's, you're, you're getting so much admiration and your attention, the conclusion that you reach is what? You know, those other rules, those rules that may apply to some people, they don't apply to me. I mean, obviously, look at what's happened to me. I am, I, I can be wise, I can be shrewd enough that I don't have to worry, uh, that I don't have to worry about the long-term effect of what Deuteronomy 17 was warning me not to do.
wives, horses, which is the military, and silver. I'll be able, I'll be cool, uh, you know, because, because obviously, why would people be giving me so much attention but for the fact that I'm, I'm not like most people? Uh, and so it's a, uh, it's a uh, really a, a warning. The Bible says more than once, pride comes before destruction. Pride becomes before shame. God opposes the proud. Pride is such a dangerous thing. It's really dangerous because it says it blinds you, and oftentimes you can't see it. It's important for you to surround yourself with um, to surround yourself with people who uh, will tell you about your pride. Uh, the uh, I've been meditating a lot on Matthew chapter six lately. It says, "Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves uh, can break in and steal." Now we know that just within 20 years, someone's going to steal 20 or yeah, 20 years from this point, someone's going to steal all those 500 gold shields. So don't bother, you know, Jesus saying, don't expend all your energy uh, laying up for yourselves treasures on earth, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. Uh, so temporary was so much of this stuff. Um, we're going to be reading king after king after king. When they rebel against God, the enemies of God are going to come in, and they're just going to raid. They're going to see all this gold. They're going to raid it and just take off with it. And so we read that Solomon loved many foreign women, and uh even though verse two it says that you shall not intermarry with them or they will turn your hearts away in fact that is exactly what deuteronomy 17 says uh it says they a king verse 17 of deuteronomy 17 says a king shall not multiply wives lest his heart turn away it says that and so uh you know Marriage is, is such a holy thing. And uh, here, here you have a man multiplying wives. And, uh, and uh, you know, one of the things that I've always fought for is marriages, is for marriages uh, to stay together. They are an incredibly holy thing. Malachi chapter two calls marriage the holy institution that God loves. And it also says in Malachi two, it says God hates divorce. Uh, but what's, what to me is, uh, makes the biggest impression on me is when Paul is talking about marriage in Ephesians chapter five, he says, this is a great mystery but I speak concerning Christ in the church, meaning Christ being the husband, the church being the bride. And is this the craziest violation that you've ever seen against this type? 
what Solomon does, he multiplies 1,000. Uh, the wonderful picture that marriage is, husband and wife is, it's a picture of Christ and the church, is that God doesn't go after anyone else. He, he, he has the church for himself, or he has you for himself. He doesn't betray you. He doesn't get tired of you and go after another, no, or, or start favoring another. That's the beauty of the one man, one woman. It says, for this reason, Genesis 2.24, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. Paul quotes that in Ephesians 5.31, and then says in verse 32, this is a great mystery. I can speak concerning Christ and the church. What a powerful, powerful type and beautiful representation of your relationship with Jesus Christ. And wow, does Solomon just flout this thing. And uh, it's, it's, it's silly to think for anyone to think that they can marry someone, become one flesh with them, and not have their hearts turned after or not have their hearts be affected, affected by what that spouse believes and what that spouse desires and what the passions that that spouse has. We are spiritual beings. We are spiritual beings. We are supremely spiritual beings. Our, the, our physical bodies are just a tent. They're going, after we get out of the tent, they're just going to become worm food. We're spiritual beings. And when you unite yourself to another spiritual being, Paul says in 1 Corinthians 6, you join yourself to a harlot, you, you become one with a harlot. And, and, and so uh, it is crazy to think that your heart is not going to be drawn after what, again, their passions are, their heart is for. And that's why, I mean, you know, people think we're legalistic, but anytime uh, someone starts courting with another person, oh yeah, I, I, started, uh, uh, I, I started dating this, uh, this woman, uh, I, I met her the other day at work. First question out of your mouth, Christian, to your friend, when they tell you that, is he, is she a Christian? The first one, it's what it's worth losing your friendship over faithful, the wounds of a friend, uh, their hearts will be turned away. Oh no, you know, but they, they, they're not a Christian, but they, 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 uh, they do talk about God and they honor God and, and, uh, and, and this type of thing. Uh, sorry, uh, you know, missionary dating is not allowed. We do hear that too, that, you know, I'm witnessing to them about Jesus. Listen, is God so small he needs you to violate the word of God, which says do not be unequally yoked for that person to come to Christ? He can, he can do it without having you sinning. Uh, and, and so, so incredibly important, uh, this 
uh, it's so it's Genesis chapter two. That's the reason that a man shall leave his father and mother and shall be joined into his wife, and they shall two shall become one flesh. I mean, this is central to who we are. It's central to the security that we have in Christ. And and here Solomon in this tragedy, he's been just been flattered so much by so many people. He thinks he's above the law. And he, uh, he, he takes on, I don't know what to say. He takes on a thousand wives, uh, 700 wives and 300 concubines. Concubines are uh, sort of a lesser wife, uh, more exclusively sexually. Uh, you know, every time I, I read of this, I, I, think, I think once again of... I, some of you maybe get tired of me saying it, but Jesus was the most uh, most famous uh, feminist who who ever lived in the history of work of the Lord of the world. He freed women, freed women from what? Well, take a look what happens after Jesus takes on the scene. Prior to it, there was polygamy in Judaism, although it's unclear if it was. Uh, taking place at the time of Jesus with Judaism, but it's uh, there's nowhere in the in the Jewish uh, uh, in the Jewish scriptures which explicitly prohibits uh, multiple wives. It's it's never talked about in a favorable way. But God again, He's reintroducing the world to Himself, and and He allows polygamy along the way in the process is he's drawing man back to himself he didn't draw man back to himself overnight uh, they had sunk so low uh, at the time of abraham it, it it took takes hundreds of years um, before he draws them back to himself but after jesus what do you see first timothy three titus i think is a chapter two uh, where one man, one woman you could not be an elder you could not be a, a deacon un, unless um, uh, you, you know, uh, uh, unless you were married to just one woman. In other words, polygamy was uh, specifically prohibited. And I can't help thinking every time I see of 700 wives of just, again, Jesus, the most famous uh, feminist that ever lived because he freed women, how trivializing that must have been for for women i mean a lot of these women maybe they had one contact with solomon and it was purely a physical one for their entire lives and so they're just pining out their lives and and they're so insignificant in the eyes of solomon and you can just imagine the insecurity that they had and the, and the purposelessness of their lives. And of course, we see this with pagan kings like Ahasuerus and, and, and uh, you know, Esther's um, husband as well, that, that the pagan kings also had their harems. And, but, but, but that's pagan behavior where women are trivialized, but not only women, children. How many children must have been the product of this who they didn't know their father um, he was a distant thing, but 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 getting back to the subject of, of of these of these women, there's a thousand of them. They've been so trivialized. They're so insecure. Precisely 
the opposite of what the type of a husband and wife was supposed to represent uh, the a relationship between God and you, or God and Israel, or God and in the church, where you're not trivialized. Um, you're not insecure before God, or you, if you're, if you are, He doesn't want you to be. He, He, again, the Bible says Romans eight thirty two. He gives you all things, and there's this this rich relationship, and and here Solomon is utterly, utterly trivialize it. This is just so demeaning to women. It's so demeaning to children, and um, he's on a he's on a serious slide here. Uh, it says that um, his wives turned away his heart. Verse four, for it was so when Solomon was old, that's interesting, when he was old, that his wives turned his heart away after other gods. This is another classic mistake that uh, you see many times in the body of Christ that people hit a certain age and then all of a sudden they think they're on autopilot or something, you know, I'll leave serving to God. I've, I've heard this exact phrase multiple times. I will leave serving the Lord to the younger kids or serving in the church to the, to the younger men and women. I've heard that multiple times. It's pure nonsense. It is dangerous. And it, uh, it says that for when Solomon was old, we, we listen, I think I just read the Psalm this morning where David says, uh, I, you know, I, I'm now old and gray-headed, but I, I don't want to die until I, I speak the word of God to my generation. And, and so uh, he, he, it, apparently his heart was not turned to other gods until he was old. Uh, and, and that should be a warning to anyone getting on in the years that really what the Lord after is after is, is us to to seek him with all our heart. It's a marathon to the end. It's never described as anything. No such thing as retiring from service to the Lord. His wives turn his hearts after other gods, it says. Um, and his heart was not loyal to the Lord, his God, as was the heart of his father, David. Remember, as many times as David uh, turned away, uh, his he came back to the Lord. Uh, it does not say that here. Now, I think I'm in an ex uh, very much of a minority that I do not think Solomon ever turned back to the Lord again. Uh, some people think, based upon that very last verse of the of King uh, of Ecclesiastes, which says the whole of man is this to fear God and obey his commandments. I, 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 I think that that's what smart pagan people believe. That's what uh, many political people who don't care or love God at all, they will recognize that it's a smart thing and it's good for the United States of America for them to be religious and for them to obey the law of God. That doesn't mean they have a heart for God. Uh, I don't think Solomon ever turned back, and, and this verse, I think, would support it. He, he, his heart was not loyal to the Lord his God, as was the heart of his father David. He went after Ashtra, the goddess of the Sidonians, and the, after Milcom, the abomination of the Ammonites. Uh, 
Solomon did evil in the sight of the Lord and did not fully follow the Lord, as did his father David. Then Solomon built a high place for Chemosh, the abomination of Moab. Now, we like to read the Bible a little slower at Calvary Chapel. On Tuesday nights, we do, a little, we do it a little quicker. We cover more territory, but just think about that. Just meditate on that. Just, if, just tonight, meditate. Solomon built a high place for Chemosh, the abomination of Moab. Here's a guy where it, what, what, two chapters or more. Actually, there's multiple chapters all about building the temple, the temple of God, the most uh, cherished thing in the Jewish world, uh, the, the, the temple of God, where God said that he would put his name, that he would put his glory at, that he would fill. Now you have the guy by the end of his life building uh, a temple to another God. He, it says he also built the abomination of Moab on the hill that is east of Jerusalem, which probably means there was some kind of image that he put there. He calls it an abomination. Abomination, the definition of it is an exceedingly grave sin, a sin of exceedingly great magnitude. On the east of Jerusalem, and, and for Molech, the ab abomination of the people of Ammon. Now, Molech, uh, that involved a child, uh, the sacrifice of children. So he is just really, really, um, really, really uh, towards the end of his life. He, if, if, if anyone did not finish well, it would have been Solomon. I mean, he, he really, really, really is going to great depths here. And he did likewise for all his foreign wives who burned incense and sacrifice to their gods. So the Lord became angry with Solomon. So, uh, so sad because all this began with earlier on in First Kings where it says the Lord loved Solomon. But here it says he became angry with Solomon because his heart had turned away from the Lord God of Israel who had appeared to him twice. Actual appearance, not just uh, had 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 appearance, not just you know an impression of the word of God on his heart, like we get. We're talking an appearance. The Lord had appeared to him twice, and he still walks away. Verse ten, and had and had commanded him concerning this thing that he should not go after gods, but he did not keep what the Lord had commanded. So. If you remember, right after he finished the temple, we read in 1 Kings 9 that God appeared to him and said, listen, uh, you, verse 6 of chapter 9, if you do not keep my commandments and my statutes, which I have set before you, but go and serve other gods, I will cut off Israel from the land. And so he, he had given him warning. But again, this is the danger of, of surrounding yourself with an environment where everyone is flattering you, everyone's docking at you. Every so, so listen. It's not against the law to 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 buy a Rolls Royce or 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 a Bentley. I I was getting a new phone yesterday, and the manager of the AT and T said, "Wow, look at that Bentley out there. It's a lot better than my Audi." <laughs> 
<laughs> There's nothing against the law of buying a Bentley, but you better be careful what's in your heart. You better be really, really careful what's in your heart because this is what happens to what we're reading about right here is what happens. It's better to err on the side of modesty. I beg you, Calvary Chapel, it is better to err on the side of modesty when you're buying cars, when you're buying houses, when you're buying clothes, when you're buying shoes. Better to err on the side of modesty. Don't want to get into legalism here, please. We don't want to go there. That's a uh, that's an equally as bad evil, uh, because there is liberty in these areas. But better to err on the side of of modesty. Look what happened to this man. He's gravely warned with a literal vision from the Lord. God actually appeared to him. Didn't matter. Err on the side of modesty. I'll, I, I won't say it again. It says, but he didn't keep what the Lord had commanded. Verse 11, therefore, the Lord said to Solomon, because you have done this and have not kept my covenant and my statutes, which I have commanded you, I will surely tear the kingdom away from you and give it to your servant. Nevertheless, I will not do it uh, to you. I will not do it in your days. For the sake of your father, David, I will tear it out of the hand of your son. However, I will not tear away the whole kingdom. I will give one tribe to your son for the sake of my servant, David, and for the sake of uh, Jerusalem, which I have chosen. And so what you don't see here is Solomon repenting. And, you know, one of the great things, one of the reasons I love uh, King Jehoshaphat. Now we're not going to be we're not going to be uh, studying him for for a few chapters. Uh, we'll get to him eventually. I love him, even though he he made some really bad mistakes himself. But after Jehoshaphat was warned like this, uh, gravely warned, just like this, he went out and and completely repented and lived for the Lord, spread the gospel, the good news throughout Israel, put just judges throughout the land. You, you, it's not that Solomon could not have repented here. Uh, he didn't, and he could have. So really, really quite a, quite a tragic uh, moment here.